Please turn with me if you can to Genesis 28. It's a very famous story. Sometimes called Jacob's Ladder. Maybe the stairway to heaven. And it's a, a stairway to heaven. It's a, it's a phrase that is used by different places around the world. To try and entice you to try things. So here's a, a picture of Austria. You can, there's about 40 meter gap there. You can climb up Jacob's Ladder to get some wonderful views. And it's only the 700 meter drop. So it's not that far at all. Anybody be up for that? Work away, not be me. Or you can go to China, and this is the, the stairway to heaven. In the middle of the screen, towards the top, you can see there's like an, a, a, hole, a hole in the rock, and there's 999 steps to reach heaven, as it were. Or there's the, the much more exotic Hawaii, the stairway to heaven. There's now, now closed, an old radio mast, where you can get beautiful views of Hawaii. But I couldn't forget about the stairway of heaven without fabulous Fermanagh. And that was especially for, for a couple in Seaford as well. Kilkel Mountain, you can climb the stairway to heaven. And it looks fabulous there, but most of the time it's probably foggy, isn't it? There's those different things. And it come, come, the phrase comes from really this story here, doesn't it? As we dive back into Jacob after missing last week, what, what's been happening? Remember, Jacob and Esau are born. Esau's the oldest. He's to, to get the, the birthright. He's supposed to have all the blessings. But God says, no, no, no. Jacob's going to receive the blessings. And Jacob tricks Esau with some red stew to get the birthright. And then Jacob tricks his father Isaac to get the blessing. And he dresses up as Harry Esau. Uh, and he puts on goat skin and tricks his daddy and puts on his, his clothes and things. And then we read, which we started with in verse 41 of chapter 27, Esau wants to kill his brother Jacob. And Rebecca gets wind of this. She knows that Jacob's her favorite. We've seen that division, haven't we? Jacob's the mummy's boy. And Rebecca's going to look after Jacob. And she sets up a plan to make sure Jacob's going to be safe. What's that plan? To go and find him a lovely wee wife. <laughs> to send him away to find that wife. And Rebecca even says towards the end of chapter 27, I don't want to lose both my sons in one day. But as she kisses Jacob goodbye, it'll be the last time Rebecca sees Jacob anyway. And as Jacob is, is sent off, he, he goes to, to Rebecca's family in Padan Aram. And Jacob is sent off. And where Isaac in chapter 27 didn't really want to bless Jacob, wanted to bless Esau. The beginning of chapter 28, Isaac now understands and he blesses Jacob properly again, if you like, in chapter 28. And then what we see is Jacob is sent off in verse 6. We see Esau again. And Esau falls into a trap that many of us fall into. And that is trying to earn approval. Trying to earn approval. So Jacob is sent away to find a wife. Why not a wife amongst the people? Well, generally it would mean for, for Esau that if you take a local girl where they're living, you're going to take their local gods as well. So to take a, a, a lady from a distant place within the family, the idea being that Jacob would introduce his god to that family. Okay? So that's, that's why Jacob is sent away and to get away. And Jacob, Esau sorry, in, in verse 6 and 7 sees that Isaac has blessed Jacob. He sees that Jacob has obeyed and has gone away. And in verse 8, when Esau saw that the Canaanite woman did not please his, Isaac, his father, he finally got there. 
In verse eight, or verse nine, sorry, he just copies. He's a clueless copycat. He doesn't really know why he's going to copy them, except for the fact that he's trying to get mummy and daddy's good sight. These grown men trying to please their mummy and daddy. Esau already has married two Hittite women. And that's been a great source of, of fracture within the family, a great source of disagreement. So it's, it's a highlight of, of the dangers of, of mixed marriages. At the end of verse 20, sorry, the end of chapter 26, we read that Isaac and Rebekah's life was made bitter by these ladies. At the end of chapter 27, what does Rebekah say? Rebekah says that she loathes life. She hates it. If Jacob gets another one of these women, my life wouldn't be worth living. So maybe some of us need to be thankful for our daughters-in-law, perhaps. But Esau, he's no idea why he's doing it. He's just, just copying. He's just trying to, to get mum and dad's good side. He sees what his parents are doing for Jacob. And he says, right, well, Jacob's going to the family on mum's side. I'm going to keep it within the family as well. And I'm going to my, the family on daddy's side. And he goes to Ishmael. What's the problem with Ishmael? And he was rejected by God, wasn't he? Isaac is the one that the promises are going to be through. And so Esau, he doesn't get it at all. He's just trying to, trying to copy. He's trying to get mum and dad's good side. He's a surface interest in the blessing. He wants the material aspect, but not the spiritual. Do you see how Esau's trying to do this? And sometimes we do that too, don't we? We do it with people. We see what others are doing. Maybe it's in their own homes. How maybe our brother or sister or our family member is able to please our, our mum and dad. And say, well, I must do that too. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Or in our work with our boss where, where somebody is doing. we say, well, I'll do that too. And I'll get on their good side. And we just copy people. And we do that in life, yeah. And sometimes that can be a good thing. But sometimes we are trying to earn approval from God, aren't we? In the things that we do, in a, in a spiritual sense. We do it in, the, in our secular life, but we also do it in our spiritual lives. We try to earn approval from God. We treat our spiritual life as if it's a game of snakes and ladders. We all know that game, don't we? Get to 100, but what's the problem? You roll the dice, sometimes you, you get up a ladder, and then you have to go down a snake. And we do it. sometimes we think us, our spiritual life is, we, we roll the dice of life, we, we walk to church today, and we say, good, tick, I'm up a ladder today, I'm from 14 up to 28. And then, well, then we'll go home and we give off to our husband or wife, and then we'll slide down the snake a little bit. But we're back again next week, or we might even help out in the Holiday Bible Club, so we're up a couple of ladders, and what are we doing? We're trying to reach a hundred. We're trying to earn approval from the things that we do from God. We try with our attendance and sending our children to things and our inner giving, doing our own little bit. We say, well, I'll just do my best and hope for the best. What is that? It's playing the game of snakes and ladders. It's trying to earn approval from God and it is all wrong. We cannot earn approval from God. We can't get the hundreds. So we're doing the boys and girls, wasn't it? So he saw, he's trying to earn this approval from his father. Sometimes we try to do that with God too, don't we? Jacob is sent off 
And on his journey from Canaan to Haran is the opposite journey of Abraham's, isn't it? He from, from Haran out. And Jacob is en route and he goes until it's dark and then he stops and he grabs a stone as his pillow. So he obviously doesn't have much with him. And he must have had a good bit of cheese that night, wasn't he? He must have had a wee packet of cheese with him because he has this incredible dream. And in scriptures, dreams are always for outsiders. Always. So even in this, we, we understand that, that Jacob doesn't quite get it yet. We've seen all of his sin and his, his trickery. He's an outsider, but God's going to bring him in the inside. And this is what happens. As he has this dream, three things happen. He says, hey, look, it's a ladder. Look, it is angels. And then finally, look, it is the Lord. Jacob, who had tricked his father, who had... He's stolen from his brother, you could argue. He had been a mummy's boy. He had done all these bad things in his life. A trickster and a sinner is before the Lord. And what might we expect? A rebuke, perhaps? But he was certainly deserved, we might say, especially if we were Esau. But what does he receive? Not a rebuke, but grace. This is our second thing. We are to grab hold of God's promises. Grab hold of them. Here Jacob is a sinner. We know that. He knows all about the the covenant blessings. But he goes about it all the wrong way. Maybe we can imagine as Jacob is running away from home. He's a wee bit upset. He is a mummy's boy after all. Maybe that's a bit stereotypical. I don't know. Perhaps he's questioning. But the Lord as he is running away. Simply shows up into his life. And can't that be said about some of us in our journey of life, or maybe even today, where we're, we're running just away from something, but the Lord simply shows up. And instead of a rebuke, there is grace. And the Lord speaks to Jacob, and the Lord shares all the blessings that there are here for Jacob. God is saying, Jacob, you need to grab hold of the promises of Abraham, of Isaac, and now to you, you need to hold on to this undeserved grace because there are many blessings here. In verse 13, if you're following along with me, behold, the Lord stood up and said, I am the Lord your God, the land on which you lie on, I will give to you. So he said, Jacob, there's going to be some land here for you. He said to Jacob, you're going to have a family, you're going to be a nation of people. Verse 14, the second part of it, that all nations are going to be blessed. There's these incredible blessings that the world's going to be blessed through Jacob's family. And then that there's his, God's presence with Jacob. As he wanders away from home, verse 15, God says, I am with you. I will keep you. I will bring you back home. An idea of completion. The word keep, the idea of shepherding that God's going to, to care for So those are Jacob's promises, but what about us now? We are to grab hold of those same promises. Not that we would get extra land, but because of the promise that all the nations would be blessed. Do you remember in Luke chapter 8, there's the woman who is is bleeding for a long period of time, and in the crowd she grabs hold of Jesus' cloak. That's what we are to do. To grab hold of Jesus Because there are incredible blessings in his name. See the greatest blessing for Jacob is God himself. And there's blessings in Jesus Christ isn't there? That God through his word time and time again has promised us Christ's presence. That he is Emmanuel God with us. That by his spirit he is with his people. Psalm 121. 
Joshua 1 verse 9, Isaiah 41, 43, that God's going to keep us. And all the turmoils of life, if our brother's looking to kill us or not, or we're on the run from our, our problems or our family, God is there and he will keep you. Not incredible. All the trouble that you've had through life, all the difficulties that you're experiencing, maybe even now and today, and what will come, here the scripture says that God will keep. Shepherd. Grab his arms around you, shield you. Why would we not want to hold on to that promise that God gives us in Jesus? That we be part of a people, that we have a family to belong to as a church. And that God, as he looks after us, he's with us now. As he keeps us guarded through all of life, will bring us home. What is that home? Well, it's not Israel. It's the new heavens and the earth. All will be blessed through Jacob. How? Because of the promise of Jesus. He earns the approval from God that we could not because he lived the perfect life and we certainly don't. And in his mercy and grace, God offers Jesus as a way to him. Sins forgiven, our debt erased through his death on the cross, his life again from the grave to heaven so that one day that is where we would be. He will bring us home. A place to belong to. And as Jacob has this most wonderful dream before the Lord and he sees the Lord and as the Lord speaks to him, in verse 16, Jacob wakes up and as he's in awe, he springs into action. As we recognize that sometimes we try to earn approval and that's no good, as we need to grab hold onto God's promises and what he has promised to us in his son Jesus, what are we to do? We are to commit to the Lord. Commit to the Lord. When Jacob tricked his father Isaac, and amongst all of the lies, as he put on the goat skins and the aftershave and made his, got his mummy to make the, the dinner for him, amongst all of his lies, as he spoke, yes, he said I was Esau, but one of the things that he said was that he, as he was talking to his father Isaac, he talked about your God. Jacob said to Isaac, your God. Your God. But now for the very first time, what is Jacob able to say? My God. My God. See, sometimes we do that. People talk to us within our families and talk about your God or his God or David Bingham's God or Clock's God or whatever it might be. They never put my. It needs to be personal, doesn't it? Because here, as Jacob is now able to say, my God, he has grabbed hold of the promises that God has laid before him, and he commits to him. And he's a trickster. He's a changed man. We know he's not completely straightened out, as none of us are. But he has met with the Lord, and we get a glimpse of his transformation. Because we see his devotion to the Lord. Verse 17. He has the fear as he meets with the Lord. He knows he has met with him and as we meet with the Lord today, sometimes we lack that fear. We are in an awesome place. But he shows his devotion how, well, the pillow becomes a pillar. In worship, he pours out oil on this stone as a gift to the Lord. It's his very first act of the day. As soon as the sun is up, Jacob is up and he is doing this. And he has his devotion to the Lord. It's the beginning of his, his transformation, isn't it? And we see that here in this passage. A stone is turned into a pillar. 
the place Luz is changed into Bethel. And Jacob, who has been running away from home, has run into God. And with his devotion, we were able to see his dedication in two different ways. A place, so he gives it a new name. A name that will be on Jacob's lips on his deathbed, Bethel. The house of God, because he feels, although he has met with God, as he's seen the, the heavens open before him, he says, this is where God dwells. This is his house. He says, I'm going to give this place a new name. I'm going to dedicate this place to our God. But then he has a personal dedication, doesn't he? Verses 20 to 22, he makes a vow. And his vow really underlines and, and highlights to us how dependent Jacob is on his God here. He says, he said, verse 20, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go. And you no, know, it, it's not... It is a proper vow. He's not saying if he's not bargaining with God. Okay, let's make this clear. He's not bargaining with God. He's not saying if God you do this, then I will. Like we might do. We might say, you know, if God you heal my family, if God you will make life a little bit easier for me, if God you give me X, Y, and Z, or you sort out my family problems, then I will follow you. That's not what Jacob is doing here. He is saying, Lord, if this is what you say, if, Lord, you have promised your presence with me, if, Lord, you have promised that all the nations will be blessed through me and I can look forward to being home with you one day, Lord, if that's what your word says, then I'm going to commit to you. So what about us? Well, he say, well, Lord, if this is what you say about Jesus, that he came into this world and lived a perfect life. That he, he died on the cross for, for my sin. That he rose triumphant and ascended into heaven. And will take his people with him one day. If God that is what you say. Then how can I not but commit to you? That is what Jacob is saying. That is what we ought to say. Jacob grabs hold of these promises and commits. He does this vow which... Some of us have taken, in a sense, becoming members. It's a serious thing. And Jacob is going to show his commitment at the end of verse 22. And he says, I'm going to tithe everything that I have. And tithe's a lot, isn't it? But tithe everything that I have. What does Jacob have at the moment? He doesn't even have a pillow. So it's easy for him to pray that, isn't it? Or to say that. But he's going to commit to it. He's going to tithe everything that God will give him in the future. Where he was grabbing the heel of Esau, coming out of his mummy's womb, he now has an open hand and giving back to God. So what does our commitment to God look like? Are we seeking to earn approval from him and say, well, Lord, if I do these things for you, then I'll follow you, or then you'll let me in. Or do we say, Lord, because of what you've done for me in Jesus, then I will serve you. What should our commitment look like to God and to one another in our gathering together, in our giving or even in occurring for one another? Where is our trust reflected in our devotion and in our dedication? It's a mighty thing to be committed to the Lord. We ought to be because of his son Jesus. This story is often called Jacob's Ladder. Or the stairway to heaven. They thought a little bit, you know, people talk about the ladder of success in life as well. We try and do things to reach with God. 
Some of you know that the, the Open Golf is on at the moment in, in Liverpool. And back in the 80s, Bernard Langer is a golfer, still plays a little bit today. But Bernard was brought up in a, in a, a church going home in, in Germany. He went to, to Mass essentially every morning before school. He went every weekend on Sundays. Whenever he got his first job, he even paid money into the church. He did all these good things. And as he got better and better at golf, as he started to win tournament after tournament, he, he had more and more. But he still, when he could, went to church. He still tried to do all these good things. And his understanding was, the more good I do, the more I will find approval from God. And on 83, I think it was, he won the, the Masters Golf Tournament, one of the big four tournaments. And on the Monday morning, after he had dinner with all the members, after he put on that famous green jacket, on the Monday morning, he woke up and he was empty. He said, I had everything. I had done everything in life. Been to church, paid my dues, been good, went to confession. I have everything I could ever want in life. I have fame, I have fortune, I have a beautiful wife. I have now have trophies. He's still empty. Not for a week, he was invited to a Bible study and went along. And months passed, and he realized it wasn't a step of ladders to reach God that he needed, but it was Jesus. So, what does, what does Jacob say in verse 12? He sees a ladder, a link between heaven and earth. In John's Gospel in the New Testament, Jesus meets with Philip and Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's in awe that Jesus spotted him earlier, exactly where he was. And Nathaniel says, you must be the son of man. And Jesus says, what did he say? You will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Just as I try to tell the boys and girls, Jesus is the ladder. This is not Jacob's ladder. It's God's ladder, isn't it? Are you seeking to earn approval from God? Grab hold of Jesus. You'll never be able to reach this ladder. Grab hold of him because he is that ladder, that link between heaven and earth. And commit to him.